All right, wind it up, wind it back. My name's Easy E, and I'm here with Joseph Wild, your podcast host, and we're here to bring you our top three poop your pants moments. That's right, we are. Also, don't ever call me Joseph. My name is Joe. I'll let you slide that one time. Oh, I, I'll slide. I'll slide right into my grave. Once I say that name that way again, I'll be murdered. <laughs> don't make it sound like I'm a psychopath. I was trying to make a joke. I know. It was joking. I was trying to make a joke about me being dead. All right. Well, let's see here. What do you want to do, Ev? You want to roll into this? Let's roll right up into this. So if we're going to go by moments in a movie theater that made me totally cream my jeans, I would go. I don't think you know what that phrase means. Well, I'm definitely not talking about ejaculation. I'm definitely talking about uh, number two. That is what that phrase means. That's 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 like a that's an ejaculate thing. I thought it would be like a, like nope. a chocolate cream. Nope. Like nope. pudding. Nope. It's not chocolate pudding. Nope, 100%. Okay. Well, uh, I was 17 years old when I first saw this movie. Okay. It's called The Conjuring. Uh, I'm familiar oh, with it. Oh, are you familiar with it? No. I think like really? most people who enjoy horror movies, I am familiar with it. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's not like it's one of the only things that's made over a billion dollars as a franchise or anything. But Has it really? It really has. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. There's been like eight movies now. Yeah, and only one of them worth anything. Conjuring. I meant worth anything as far as artistic and creative merit. Right. Everything else is just a jump scare factory after that. I will sing the praises of The Nun for Good Bad Movie Night. Oh, The Nun. I loved it. Anyways, uh, if you don't like having snakes in your ears or snakes for tongues, The Conjuring would be a much better movie for you. I really like the haunted house aspect of it, where there's something wrong with the house, and that. I mean, it's simple plot-wise. It's a simple horror movie plot. Family moves into a new house. New house is haunted. It's well executed. One of the best things about the movie, the part that made me um, do the n- number two, would be when they're playing the clapping game because it sets you up earlier when the kids are in the house and they're playing the clap going. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed to help the person that has the blindfold find them, right? Yeah, basically, they're playing a game called Hide and Clap, which is basically, I guess, Marco Polo? Kind of. But it sets up a really effective jump scare because when she's in the basement, the ghost hands come out and clap right in her face, like where she least expected. It's just right to her ear. Yeah. It's like, I'm right here with you. And that is terrifying to me. And I Well, and it's not only that. It's the clap also takes the lights out. It does. So So you get this and darkness. That's a fantastic transition. It's a scary shot. It's great. So that was my number three. All right. My number three is a little bit more physical horror. So it's a horror movie that gained a lot of traction as far as um, on like the festival circuit, the film festival circuit. It's called Green Room. It's from 2014. Uh, It is, I believe it's the last movie that Anton Yelchin was in before he passed away. Um, And there's a scene where uh, Anton Yelchin and his group of friends, his bandmates, are locked in a room and uh, they have a gun and he kind of, he sticks his, he sticks the gun out the door to kind of scare somebody away. But what ends up happening is the person outside the room, the door is prepared for him. 
and grabs his arm and pulls it. And so you can see, you only see from inside the room. So you can see uh, Yelchin getting pulled out the door while his friends, like some of his friends are trying to keep the door shut to keep everybody else out. And the rest are trying to pull him back in. And the whole time he's screaming and like he acts it on a level that makes you think that he is actually being attacked. And you can hear the sound of a knife hitting his arm on the other side. And when he pulls it back in, it is one of the most effective looking uh, practical props for a horror movie I've ever seen. And it is unpleasant to look at. And it is, it truly, like, the movie is, it's intense up to that point, but that takes it to a different level. I'm, I'm ready to watch that movie with you. That's one of the, the ones on my list that I have not seen yet. Uh, Anton Yelchin. Frick, mm-hmm. I messed up his name. Uh, he's so good, and I would love to see Patrick Stewart as the bad guy. Oh, man, Patrick Stewart has so much fun being the villain in this movie. And it's it's honestly fun to watch somebody that has no business being a villain. Because Patrick Stewart's so far from a villain in reality. Milk test. To see him being a villain is insane. I love it. Uh, so, we'll move on to that next one then. So, my number two, it's a good one. You're going to love it. I can promise you. It's the basement scene in It Chapter 1. Okay. So I, when I was a kid, I was so afraid of basements. Like I would refuse to go down there by myself. I hated being in the dark. So when Bill has to go down into the basement because he thinks he saw Georgie run down there. Mm -hmm. And Georgie's down there waiting for him. And his face melts away. And Pennywise comes up from the the water and freaking jet skis. Well, it's not even that just he just melts. It's the way he, like, because that little kid that plays Georgie is just having fun. (laughs) So he's he's just saying, you'll float too, and he's giggling like a little kid. And I'm sure on set it was kind of funny because it's just a giggling little kid. But in the premise of a horror movie, having a cute little kid giggle while he says something menacing at you is so disturbing. (laughs) Yeah, and how Pennywise moves disturbs me. Like thinking oh, about yeah. it right now just gives me. There's the nothing natural about the movement, and it is—it's so supernatural the way it comes at you. It's—it's it's very unsettling. Yeah, so I, I screamed. I—I mm-hmm. I, I screamed and I jumped into the arms of the girl that was sitting next to me. So that is my number two. All right. Let's see. So for me, number two is—it's a really, really brief moment. But it's one that stuck with me. Um, the movie It Follows. Uh, if you don't know, um, it's a movie where basically a curse is passed on to you and a demon will follow you. And when, if it catches you, it's going to kill you. And so there's this part where our main character, who has the curse, is seeing and when it takes the shape, it just takes a shape. It doesn't have a It's not a particular demon shape. It can be anybody. And so this particular scene, um, she can, of course, see it. None of her friends can. She's freaking out. She's in uh, her. She's in the kitchen. And one of her friends goes down the hallway to, like, look. And when she comes back, she says, like, I don't see anything. And the hallway is dark. And they have this. The actor that they have is I looked up his height once. I think he's seven foot three. No, he's taller than that. He was seven eight. He's seven eight. I remember I looked it up. Okay, with you, yeah. And he comes out, and the 
hallway is pitch black, and so he has to emerge from the hallway. And because of his height, he has to unfold himself, and he's just got these pitch black demon eyes. And the way that it happens, it happens, it happens subtly too. Like it just comes out. Like it's not like a jump scare. It's like he just emerges. And it, the way they film it, the sound design with it, it's one of the scariest brief scenes I've ever seen. I'm going to say this. Uh, the second time I watched that movie, I totally forgot that happened somehow. Because <laughs> it had been long enough since I saw it for the first time. So when it happened again, uh, I jumped out of my skin. Because, like you said, he's big. He's scary. It happens all of a sudden. And then I, that's it. My skin's gone. I'm out of it. He just he comes out of there and it is... Uh, I it's it's something else. Yeah, it's goosebump mm-hmm. fuel. That's what that is. So uh, I'm gonna go back to my number one, and I'm gonna say like if we're gonna make a part that like made me do like a spider crawl up the back of the couch. Uh, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna reference the movie Overlord. Uh, that movie is a movie that is criminally underseen. Yes. Because one, it's a World War II movie, and two, it's a zombie movie, and it ebbs and it flows depending on what the story requires of it, of what kind of movie it is. But it has some of the most impressive technical things I've seen in a movie in the past couple years. Mm-hmm. Like the one tracking shot when he's running through the church mm-hmm. and it's falling down around him is amazing. Well, and some of the, some of the physical effects, like some of the practical effects, the makeup design, things like that are incredible. Yes, I agree. So there's this one sequence when they're in the attic and to give you some background, what the story is, is that, there are these Allied soldiers that have dropped in Nazi-occupied France, and they're in this village trying to liberate it, and the Nazis are doing ungodly experiments upon the village folk. So, As the Nazis were you know, known for. Yeah, they're wanting to do that. So they're trying to get eternal life with these serums and try to make super soldiers out of the this juice that's in this spring underneath the, the town. And uh, what it usually does to someone, it turns them into a berserker killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also fixes any kind of physical malady they got, right? So, well, not necessarily fixes, more makes them inert. Because the injuries are still there. The person just has no, person just doesn't care that the injury's there. Yeah, that, that's a better way of describing it. So what happens is one of the allies gets shot and, you know, just because he's seen that it can heal people, one of the one of the guys heals people in quotes, he, he injects his friend with it and uh, he turns into a superhuman rage monster with incredible strength. And I'd say the best adjective to describe this is bone crunching. Oh God, is it ever? It really is. And that when he does that, it, it just, it threw me up the back of the couch, man. It, it was, it, it's just so scary because you're in a, you're in a, this contained space. All the characters are there and you're thinking like, there's no way they all get out of this because there's nowhere else to go. It's kind of like it follows where, where the guy's pushing me. He's like, don't go in anywhere without any exits. Well, it's like, what happens if you're in a place with only one exit mm-hmm. and you got to go through a rage monster to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an incredible scene and you are correct with that movie being criminally underrated. Um, God, nobody saw that. And I just don't, I, I think the unfortunate side for that movie is that it, it got greenlit when the zombie fad was still high. And unfortunately it got released right as everybody has hit full zombie fatigue. Mm-hmm. nobody really cares about zombie movies anymore and like i'm kind of with them like zombies have kind of been overdone they can still be done well overlord fantastic example also uh train to basan you don't need to speak korean to enjoy it 
Yeah, that movie's amazing. Train to Busan. It's by the same guy who did Snowpiercer and Okja. And he's got a new movie out called The Parasite, which is supposed to be one of the best movies of the year. Anyways, yeah, yeah he Oof, did a genre I, film. That's going to be a body horror movie it, for sure. It's actually not. Really? It's a it's a drama about two families from different classes. Huh, like okay. Upper and middle, lower class. I think he also directed The Host. Yeah, he did do that too. And The Host is another incredible, that's my second favorite Korean language film. Yeah, so we're talking about zombies. You, you want to make sure you pick the right movie. If you're, you're going to want to get a zombie. Because something that I like about Overlord is that uh, the zombies aren't the real villains. The real villains are the Nazis. Yes. And that's something that I really, really like about that movie. Historically accurate as well. Yeah, totally. No zombies here, just a bunch of Nazis. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, you want to share with me your number one? I do, but first I want to give just an honorable mention real quick. Um, if you're listening to this and you have not seen the movie Deep Blue Sea, uh, when you finish watching this, I want you to go on YouTube and I want you to type in Samuel Jackson's speech hyphen deep Lucy. Just treat yourself. If you haven't just, seen it before, just enjoy what happens to that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So my number one is from a movie that is less known than overlord. It is. I'm going to go out and say it because it's been a few months since I've seen it. So it's not recency bias at this point. This is my favorite horror movie I've ever seen. It's called Summer of 84. It was released in 2017. It was a hit at Sundance and then promptly forgotten by the world for some unknown reason. Yeah, this movie, it, sometimes I'll remember what happens at the end of this movie and I'll just, uh, I'll just get sad. Yeah, I'll just get sad. Well, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to try my best to describe the end of this movie without spoiling it. Because this is one that needs to be seen fresh. Um, so to give you a brief overview of what this movie is, it's a group of middle school age children, like 14 to 15, uh, on summer vacation. And they become suspicious of their neighbor, thinking that he's a serial killer. This movie, and for the first, let's call it hour and 30 minutes of this movie... It flows very similarly to other movies that you've seen that take place in the 80s. It's got the coming-of-age theme. It's got the same feel to... I equate it to The Goonies. You could equate it to The Goonies. It's, it's a kids-on-bikes movie. Yes, it is. It's, it's, great. it's similar to The Goonies. It's very similar to uh, the early episodes of each season of Stranger Things. Yeah, when they're all running around on yeah, because each each season of Stranger Things it starts off like innocent and it gets dark. Yeah, <laughs> this is like that's how this movie is, and then, um, the movie progresses uh, from the sort of idealistic way that you would look at like an '80s coming of age movie to the unfortunate reality of the situation, and the movie ends with a villain monologue that is truly upsetting and terrifying. Yeah. Like I said, like it's been months. I also like whenever we talk about it, it just, it, it upsets me again. This is a movie that we saw in like June, I think. And it's still stuck with me. Like I can still remember the last 20 minutes of this movie very clearly yeah. as if I watched it yesterday. Yeah. Same here. And the setting is very effectively used again. It's in Oregon small town in Oregon. And mm -hmm. uh, let's just say that uh, the archipelagos and the 
kind of like the wilderness of Oregon is very effectively used here as a, as a setting. So, yeah. So not only am I going to call it my favorite horror movie, I'm also going to go ahead and say that we should make this the watch of the week. So if you have not seen it and I'm willing to bet you haven't because pretty much nobody has do it, watch this movie. You can rent it for 99 cents on Amazon prime. Do it. Watch this movie. If you enjoy horror movies, you will enjoy Summer of 84. And that's a guarantee. That is. It's the Joe Wilde guarantee. All right. We got some other honorable mentions here we want to attack on the at the end of the episode. There's been a couple of good movies on Netflix that we've seen, Head Count and In the Tall Grass, if you want to have a spooky movie night. Those are two very, very good options. And also, shout out Simpsons. If you All my Simpsons heads out there, uh, go ahead and watch your favorite Treehouse of Horror episode. You won't regret it. Treehouse of Horror is a classic. Uh, one thing I want to give you, if you're going to watch Headcount, the first 20 minutes of this movie, how would you describe it? I describe it rough. Slog. So yes. <laughs> slog it out, get through it, and then the fun begins. You just got to clear 20 minutes. You clear 20 minutes, and it's a really good movie. Promise. I mean, you know, up there, like, there's some really cool camera stuff that goes on. Oh, and, cinematography. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it's really cool because it's her first movie. It's this a lady. Is. It's her first, uh, it's her directorial debut. Yeah, I like women getting opportunities in Hollywood and also just to see a nice young new talent like that to make mm-hmm. a movie of that quality with that kind of budget as she had was amazing. She did well. I like I'm excited to see what she does next. Me too. All right. So now that we've wound it up and wound it back, we're gonna let you guys relax and ease into the weekend. Treat yourself, watch some good stuff, and eat lots of popcorn. All right, thank you guys for tuning into this week's mini sode. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Producer Jeff Warburton here. If this is something you really enjoyed and you need to go check out our website, which is at runwildmedia.wixsite.com. Let me say that one more time for all of you out there. It's runwildmedia.wixsite.com. Enjoy.